Uh, good morning, everybody, and welcome to this week's Keeping an Eye on the Geopolitical Ball with me, Jamie Shea, Senior Fellow at Friends of uh, Europe. Well, this week on Wednesday, uh, we witnessed one of the big occasions in the annual calendar of the European Union. The president of the EU Commission, uh, Ursula von der Leyen, uh, gave her annual State of the Union uh, address uh, to the European Parliament in Strasbourg. This was the fourth that she has given in her time as president of the uh, Commission. And as uh, uh, we have the elections to the European Parliament next year, uh, and the question of whether Ursula von der Leyen will be seeking a second term uh, as president of the Commission, uh, as you would expect, this speech was largely uh, based uh, on her achievements, the achievements of her uh, uh, commission. She even claimed that 90% of the programme that she had had uh, on taking office had been implemented. Uh, there was also quite a lot on uh, economic issues uh, such as competitive uh, competitiveness in Europe and how to improve it, the point that uh, uh, industrial efficiency and productivity is not incompatible with uh, action against uh, climate change and greening the uh, economy uh, as as well. She spoke a lot about the EU's response to the COVID-19 uh, crisis. And interestingly, uh, she also um, spent a lot of time making the case for EU enlargement, particularly to Ukraine, not underestimating the difficulties, uh, uh, not giving a timetable, saying it would be merits-based, but also saying that it was vital to complete the unification of Europe within the EU, and all of the programmes that the EU delivers could be delivered with 30-plus members just as well as they could be delivered with 27. But there was, for me, in a speech that went on for over an hour, one glaring omission, which was security uh, and uh, defence, hardly mentioned at all, uh, except when she spoke a little bit about food security and praised the EU's farmers, of course, uh, for ensuring that uh, at a time when supply chains globally had been disrupted, they were still able to feed all of the European citizens. But that could have been a kind of sop to French farmers and Dutch farmers who have been protesting uh, uh, recently uh, and claim asking for more subsidies. Um, but why was uh, security defence for me such a, a gap and a mission in, in the speech. Well, the first thing, of course, is that the EU is spending has been spending a great deal of time on these things uh, over the last uh, 18 months or so. Uh, first of all, of course, the war in Ukraine, which shows that conventional war, military threats, mass destruction, the loss of hundreds of thousands of lives, of properties, uh, uh, have has returned to Europe. Uh, and to a, a country which is a candidate for future EU membership. Uh, and this is not a, just about the destruction in Ukraine. Uh, the war has also crept closer to Europe, to the EU's own borders. For example, three uh, 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 drones landing recently uh, in uh, Romania, uh, a missile landing in Poland, killing some Polish citizens, Russia building uh, a new network of bases on the border with Finland, uh, Russia and Belarus and the Central Security Treaty Organization holding exercises in Belarus on the border with Poland uh, just a, a few days ago. The, the days in which the EU Commission could define security defense as the occasional cyber attack, the occasional energy outage, the occasional breakdown of critical infrastructure or disinformation campaign uh, are long since over. Europe now has to confront the reality of military threats that require a military response. And if there is an EU social contract uh, to be renewed, then guaranteeing the peace 
and the lives and the properties of, of EU citizens has to be uh, the first principle of that social contract. The, the second reason is that the EU has been very active uh, uh, and innovative in security defense uh, over the last 18 uh, months. Uh, the Commission itself has been in the forefront uh, by, for example, establishing a new director, Directorate General, DG Defis, under the Eternal Market Commissioner, Thierry Breton, which is looking at defense industry, space, uh, 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 technology, um, and very active in currently trying to reopen defense production lines so that Europe can uh, increase its stocks of vital uh, military components uh, and equipment. The Commission is running a European Defence Fund of over 8 billion uh, euros to fund uh, future R&D uh, programmes. It's also funding PESCO, Permanent Structured Cooperation, with uh, nearly 50 uh, projects to sponsor uh, greater cooperation among EU members in things like field hospitals, uh, developing an EU drone, an EU uh, 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 intelligence centre, uh, the use of uh, bases uh, by various EU member states, and so on and, and so forth. More, more broadly, uh, the EU has developed a European peace facility, beginning with 5 billion euros, now going up to 20 billion euros, which has been funding the transfer of weapons to Ukraine uh, and training uh, now 40,000 Ukrainian soldiers. It's also been used to fund the procurement of 1 billion uh, 155 uh, artillery shells uh, for uh, Ukraine, uh, devoting 2 billion euros to that and has given 500 million euros to reopen defence production lines. I could mention a host of other initiatives, for example, a European sky shield to integrate Europe's air and missile defence, a European rapid reaction force, a brigade of 5,000 rapid, de rapid deployable soldiers, uh, a military mobility scheme to move uh, troops and equipment rapidly across EU borders in a crisis situation, uh, and a large-scale cyber resilience uh, team uh, uh, program uh, uh, to help uh, uh, EU member states get assistance quickly in the case of cyber uh, attacks. Uh, Ursula von der Leyen could have also mentioned the need for more European strategic autonomy, particularly to deal with crises on the periphery where NATO or the US do not wish to become engaged and to give Europe a, a cover, an assurance, should, for example, uh, a populist president like Donald Trump return to power in the United States uh, after the elections uh, next year. So if, uh, paraphrasing the Spanish king Alfonso XIII, uh, uh, God had put me in charge of uh, uh, the universe, I would have ordered things somewhat differently. And if I had been the speechwriter uh, of Ursula von der Leyen's speech, uh, what would therefore I have changed? Well, certainly I would have uh, made a reference to <clears throat> the urgent task for the EU to make sure that Ukraine prevails in its war against Russia uh, as vital for the peace of the EU and not just for Ukraine. Secondly, I would have made a plea to use defence spending uh, wisely with the all the EU states increasing defence budgets up to the NATO target of 2% to make sure that we avoid duplication and that we promote the European defence industries and the European defence uh, industrial base. For example, Poland this week announced that it was spending $12 billion in the United States to procure 426 high miles long range artillery systems. Well, of course, this is good for Poland, it, it's good for NATO, but if everybody buys American, uh, that defence industrial base of the EU uh, will stagnate, uh, threatening the 400,000 jobs 
uh, in the EU, which are already in the defence uh, industry. Secondly, Ursula von der Leyen could have made a pitch for greater debt financing uh, by the Commission of Europe's rearmament programmes, particularly restocking. Uh, for example, the EU has been able to contract debt uh, at favourable AAA terms uh, to finance the recovery from the COVID pandemic. The same could be used to quickly ramp up the reopening of defence production lines. Thirdly, she could have called on uh, the EU to cooperate more in developing the future military technologies. Um, she made a strong pitch for artificial intelligence, but then described the EU's role as regulating that rather than the developing the technology itself and making the EU a player in that particular uh, field. She could have mentioned robot robotics. Um, she could have mentioned quantum computing and secure crypto uh, graphics, uh, space, uh, and making sure uh, that European satellites are not interfered with, bioengineering and all of the rest. She could have also made a strong pitch for greater cooperation between NATO and the EU, as both spend money now on uh, defence industry programmes uh, and on uh, R&D and innovation. Uh, she could have also spoken of the need to cooperate closely with partners such as the US, the UK, Turkey, uh, and beyond in the Asia-Pacific uh, with countries like Japan, uh, and uh, Australia as well. In short, the EU often talks of a defence union, and yesterday would have been a very good opportunity for Ursula von der Leyen to say exactly what that defence union is all about. Well, it was a speech which was strong on past achievements and mentioned uh, a number of contemporary uh, challenges, but it was not very oriented towards the future. Well, if Ursula von der Leyen is re-elected uh, and serves another five years, uh, or her successor, uh, they soon will have a golden opportunity to come back to the European Parliament for the next State of the Union uh, speech. And that would then be the time uh, to sketch out that future vision in the field, which I think is really at the top of the agenda, security and defence. Thank you for uh, listening today, and I look forward to engaging with you very soon.